Hi, everybody. This is Pete Wright. Thanks for joining us on Navigating Change. Before we get started, I have a quick announcement. Sometimes you're communicating one-on-one. Sometimes you're standing before a larger audience. But whether you're meeting with board members, faculty, or staff, the art of communicating complex financial information is an essential component for today's business officer. That's why Thursday, March 5th, 2015, Howard Teibel joins Nakubo and Regional Association speakers for Lessons Learned in Communicating Financial Information Effectively. In this webcast, you'll join experts from institutions around the country as they recap and highlight their key takeaways from the sessions they presented at all five of the Regional Association's annual conferences in 2014. In fact, you've heard most of them on this very show. So join in, register for the webinar now at nakubo.org and get your questions answered by colleagues who consistently demonstrate success in communicating financial information effectively. Once again, March 5th, 2015, that's at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. It is a webcast, so you'll need to be at your computer. Register now at nakubo.org. Thanks, everybody. Now, on with the show. Welcome, everybody, to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. My name is Pete Wright, and I'm here once again with Howard Tybal. Hello, Pete. How are you? I'm doing very well, Howard. I am very excited about our show today. Uh, we have a, a distinguished guest joining us, Dr. George Martin, president of St. Edward's University in sunny, I hope, Austin, Texas. Dr. Martin, welcome to Navigating Change. Very sunny in Austin. Dr. Martin, you have been the uh, the president, served as president of St. Edward's since 1999. That is, uh, in uh, these days, uh, a notable tenure as president of the institution. Yeah, I guess it is unusual. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just not... We, it may we, be good or bad. Yeah, I'm right. Sure. We, we, we won't examine that too closely. <laughs> well, we were here today to talk about a project that you are, are, have undertaken uh, with Howard's support, the Investing in Our Future project. And and Howard and I have been talking a lot about these these sorts of large-scale projects. Howard, before we, we kick off, can you uh, give us a little bit of a background on... on your why you wanted to invite Dr. Martin here today to to share the conversation, um, uh, share the floor on investing in our future? It all came together for me when I had the opportunity to hear Dr. Martin at the town hall, introduced to his larger community about what we're about to take on. And I was, I was personally uh, inspired by not just Dr. Martin's inspiration for this project, but the rea- I was walking around talking to people individually, and and not only was there a great deal of trust in a change project such as this, they were deeply appreciative of being asked to be part of this, and to me, it's no so small measure to Dr. Martin's leadership on this, and why why I want Dr. Martin in this conversation and for others to hear this is because I think not enough institutional leaders find it find a way to both do top down and bottom up decision making that really engages the larger community so you know Dr. Martin when you think about just even your willingness to do this, and you've shared with me you've done other things like this before, so I think you have a culture that accepts this. But what about this kind of project excites you? Well, I I think uh, the most important thing for me is that this kind of project enables the university to move forward strategically in a time uh, when resources are not growing as fast as one would like. 
uh, and it's it's happening within an environment that is uh, increasingly hostile, particularly to uh, private higher education. So I think uh, one has to uh, reinvent ways we do things. One has to find ways to take fewer resources and stretch them further. Uh, and uh, it's only in that way that we can uh, possibly continue to advance the university strategically uh, as we have in the past. Can you can you tell us the story of investing in our future? Why this project? Uh, you know, you've told us what the uh, you know about the the landscape that you're experiencing, but why this project uh, for St. Edward's right now? First, because it's a particular time, and second, because it's good timing. Um, we are uh, in a situation where uh, certainly it is more and more difficult to uh, increase tuition, and yet we're a tuition-driven institution. Uh, so how can we uh, get new resources each year uh, to advance the strategic interest uh, of the university? Uh, that was the question that was before us. And uh, one can approach this in, in, in different ways. Uh, you can say, let's gather the senior leadership with the board uh, and make a decision about how the university is going to address this problem, much of which is external. Uh, or you can start to uh, look to uh, a, a resource that has uh, uh, really uh, borne a great deal of fruit in the past, and that is turn to the community and involve the community and ask the community, how do you think we can move forward? Uh, and uh, it's, uh, it's timing in the sense that a lot of institutions uh, wait until uh, the budget uh, is uh, insufficient to uh, pay for uh, annual cost. Uh, in our case, that's not true. We've had uh, net tuition revenue increases for almost 20 years now. Uh, what we're doing is trying to anticipate uh, what will be happening in future years. Uh, and so it gives the whole university community uh, an opportunity to think about this without the stress and pain or immediate stress and pain of having to cut budgets. We're not talking about cutting budgets. We're talking about how can we take resources, existing resources, and the additional resources that will continue to come uh, for the university in the near future. How can we take all those resources and allocate them in the most effective and efficient way? Um, and it's at the same time uh, continue to advance the mission of the university uh, and the strategic priorities of the university. And, and uh, for me personally, what, what really inspires me about this is the fact that so many projects, when you bring in somebody from the outside uh, in the work I've been doing for 28 years, there's a presumption that uh, the consultant has something that we don't. And I have been a firm believer in my consulting practice over the years that the best way to do my job and to bring my team in is to be there as a partner and to help you help yourselves. And it's this is not a tiable project. And there are times it's clear that the institution says and wants to make us front and center. What, what 
St. Edwards is doing with Dr. Martin's leadership and the cabinet's leadership, senior leadership, is saying, we own this, and they're utilizing us to help with guiding them in terms of making it more systematic. And I can tell you that on the other side of a project like this, the ownership of the work and the ownership of the outcome more likely than lives with the institution because you're not turning it over and saying, fix this for us. And, and I just give uh, the senior leaders and Dr. Martin so much credit for being willing, one, to trust a process like this, uh, but also to be able to say, we're going to take ownership of this. We're, we're not turning this over to you. But you would share with me, Dr. Martin, that there's a culture and a history for this at St. Edward's. So say, say a little bit more about that one. You know, it's interesting. We're not turning it over to you, Howard, but what we're really doing is turning it over to the community in the sense that what we're doing is involving the whole spectrum uh, of the members of the St. Edward University community. And I think that's different in many ways than what one sees uh, at other institutions where senior leadership basically tries to make these decisions. Our community is really an enormous resource for us. And we have found that out consistently in the past. You know, it's, it's common for universities to turn to the faculty and staff and say, would you please help with retention? Would you please help with uh, improving student community life? Well, why not turn to the community and say, how do you think we can best accomplish our strategic goals going forward? And I think by giving the community uh, the opportunity to participate, the opportunity to uh, learn through experience how decisions like this are made, uh, the opportunity to choose uh, some of these strategic priorities basically empowers the community. And uh, that broadens uh, the, uh, the perspective and I think the depth of knowledge that we have uh, as we go forward trying to make these decisions. It affirms uh, the value of everyone uh, in the university. And I think that, you know, this is probably one of the hardest parts organizationally of, of making decisions. The, the you know, it's, it's the how does an organization look uh, from the macro uh, viewpoint, how does it look from the micro uh, viewpoint? It well, looks a whole lot different. And if we back up and we look at Earth, Earth looks beautiful. It looks fine because you don't see the plastic floating in the oceans because you don't see uh, right. the pollution in Beijing. Uh, but if you really want to see that at the micro level in a university, then you've got to turn to the people who see things that senior leadership doesn't see and incorporate that into the strategic uh, thinking of the university. And that's what this is really about. That's fantastic. And, and I'll tell you that also for me that you're doing that is tremendous is that you have embraced this idea of whether you're looking at advancement or academic programs or student affairs or marketing or IT, you have put together teams of people who are both users of these services and programs as well as the deliverers, students, faculty, administrators are all participating, looking at disciplines where, in fact, the tradition is often you live in your own little silo. And 
I can tell you from experience that what this does for those institutions willing to do what you're doing is it becomes such an education process for the masses to see what it really takes to execute the work of, of a university or college. And in many ways, people on the other side of this have a raised awareness of being more connected to the mission of where this is going. And it demands a willingness uh, like you're like you're doing to trust your community and that's what my hope is for more schools to do two things to do what you said which is let's not wait for a problem to then have to say we have to bring bring people in can we have the conversation before it becomes a problem and that's a classic dilemma institutions fall into where they don't jump until there is a urgency because of something negative. And the second thing is being willing to draw upon your community and to learn from each other. And you're do- I- I'll tell you, Pete, what was, what was powerful for me was I've done these in the past, and there have been uh, other projects where the ramp up to the kickoff took anywhere from four to six months. We got this in a month and a half, this project the people were identified. The team leads were picked. It had nothing to do with me. It had to do with the, the, the call went out, people stepped up, and people just embraced it. And I have not seen an institution embrace something like this as quickly as they have, and I think it's a testament to the, to the culture and trust in this community. Well, you know, that gets to the, the – as I'm, I'm thinking about this, sort of reflecting on it, I mean, clearly there is a culture of, uh, you know, understanding and achieving goals. I mean, in your own uh, welcome note to, uh, to students, uh, Dr. Martin, you write about your – year 2000 10-year strategic plan fueling a decade of enrollment growth and expansion 2010 a 5-year strategic plan and now here we are in 2015 how does investing in our future fit into or drive or define the next generation of uh, leadership and uh, and development and expansion and growth at St. Edwards is 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 it this that you have had the community in such a, a state of practice over the last 15 years that, that they're just ready to be rallied and support uh, whatever comes next? Well I, well, I think that has been characteristic of the way we've made decisions here. Uh, we've uh, insisted on transparency, even when there was pushback within senior administration against it. Uh, it doesn't make any sense not to be transparent, in my opinion. Uh, you eventually have to share things with the community. So why wait until the results are there? Why don't you share the information with them from the beginning? And I think that the, this process, the, uh, the way we've structured it, uh, really does uh, provide two kinds of education. One is uh, the participants in the, in the work groups uh, are educated or learn a great deal more about all of the other parts of the university and how important their particular undertakings are, uh, as well as their own. And then they, they learn one other thing, and that is the process uh, that goes into the decision-making about how to assign university resources. Uh, you've got to pick and choose. There never are enough resources for everything that everybody wants. Uh, so how do you start to prioritize those? And by being participants in these work groups, uh, they are actually going to go through the same process that senior administration goes through all the time. 
Uh, that is the, the process of prioritization. Uh, and they'll understand how difficult it is, uh, how it is not arbitrary, uh, and how important uh, remaining fixed on the uh, strategic interest and mission of the university, uh, how, how important remaining uh, uh, focused on that uh, is, is essential to choosing the uh, correct priorities. To summarize, when you talk about opening this to the community, you're talking about uh, the, our traditional sort of expected groups, right? Uh, st- staff, faculty, uh, students, uh, parents, uh, ex- extra community members. How far does your community extend in this conversation? Well, I think the, the, the most uh, important participants are those who uh, are, are the ones who are trying to uh, run the university on a regular basis throughout the year. And that would be obviously administration, faculty, staff, and students uh, with uh, alumni involvement also. Uh, So those are the primary constituents and, of course, uh, the Board of Trustees. These projects, they're so sort of audacious in scope. Uh, I I wonder, and and I would ask both of you uh, to reflect on this, um, as you think about taking this on over the course of the duration of the project, what are your biggest hopes for success at the end of it, when you have finished, what what will this have looked like? What change will you have brought to the institution? Well, I guess the most obvious answer to that would be that we would hope that emerging from the process will be some good strategic recommendations that we can incorporate into future planning. Uh, the second uh, thing is we will have uh, better informed constituents. They will be exposed to a great deal of data uh, during this process, and I hope wind up with a great deal more information and knowledge uh, and improved understanding. But I think that the, uh, the foundation for the future is that they will be involved in an ongoing process in which they develop a common view of where we are going. Uh, they will design processes where Uh, It will be natural uh, uh, on an everyday basis to ask, how can we do this better? Uh, And uh, also, I think, in that process, develop a a stronger sense of of community, uh, of strategic direction, uh, and of university mission. So I think my biggest hope uh, is what is already happening, and that is that groups are engaging in idea generation. And I can tell you that from talking to some of the team leads and and those who sort of overseen these larger project teams looking at these different areas, the thing we're encouraging them to do that they're taking on is is say, can we step back from business as usual and how we've always done it and ask bigger questions? You know, the whole process of how recommendations are going to flow through the project, we're really inviting people into a very substantial idea generation exercise. And then there is going to be a process where this will flow through uh, the committee back to the um, senior team and ultimately to President Martin to say, here are the things we want to move forward with. Uh, But we often don't step back far enough and allow people to brainstorm, to really brainstorm 
How do we want to improve programs? How do we want to improve services? What are some things we should stop doing? What are some things we should invest in? invest in. And this kind of information becomes the foundation of what our senior leaders need that they often don't have because we don't ask the masses. And as Dr. Martin said, we've got a community out here of resources who are who are ready to be asked. And I can tell you that just from watching them, they dove right in. So my hope is on the other side of this, and, and it's already happening, but I can already I can see this as an outcome, is people feeling appreciative that they were invited into a process to be part of crafting the future of St. Edwards. And and that's that's my that's my biggest hope for the project. Yeah, and, and to add to that, Howard, uh I don't see this as a uh, a conversation that will end when the recommendations come to me. And, and I select some that we would implement uh, in the next uh, academic year. Uh, I view this as the beginning of an ongoing conversation uh, because I think much of the material that comes out of it will be uh, the um, source of, of new ideas and, and, and future years planning uh, as the uh, university moves forward. So this is a multi-year kind of uh, uh, project and I, and I love that you you added that because this idea of continuous learning and continuously in a sense thinking about this as a foundation for something as opposed to when we're done in May or June July that this project's over and everyone gets back to work no this is actually sowing the seeds for continuing to be innovative looking forward. Yeah, this is truly the work of the university. I, that is, uh, I, I think that's a, a terrific lesson, that this project isn't just about achieving some set of static goals, but it's about changing the way the community participates in university um, strategy and leadership moving forward. Yes, exactly. Yeah. What a beautiful project. I, we certainly thank you so much for taking your time to join us and, and uh, share your, uh, your enthusiasm for uh, investing in our future at St. Edwards University. Dr. Martin, thank you. Well, my pleasure. Thank you. And Howard, thank you so much, as always, for your wisdom and insight on these projects. Well, this is a privilege, and it's a privilege for me to be participating at, at the level that I am uh, with this institution and George Martin. Folks, we deeply appreciate you downloading and subscribing to the show. Uh, if you haven't yet, head over to iTunes and subscribe to the show for free. Just search for Navigating Change. You'll make sure you don't miss a single episode. You can find out more at tybalink.com. We'd appreciate you writing us. Uh, find us on Twitter at Howard Teibel or at Pete Wright, and uh, we'll talk about your questions on the show. On behalf of Dr. George Martin, President of St. Edwards University, and Howard Teibel, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next week on Navigating Change, the podcast from Teibel, Inc.